welcome to Ghostly. Is there a Von Eric family curse? Ghostly is a podcast that comes out every other week. In each episode, we take a ghost story or a paranormal event and look into its complete history. Rebecca then gives us evidence proving that the story is real. And my job is to debate those pieces of evidence and get you, the listener, prepared to vote on if it's real or not. If you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. As always, we are your host. I'm Pat. And I'm Rebecca. And we have with us a special guest uh, that has been on the ep- been on Ghostly more than anybody else. <laughs> I'll hold that. I'll take that record. Yeah, it's Bob from Bob After Dark. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Bob from Bob After Dark. That's me. Yay. That is you, Mr. <laughs> is Bob me. Anderson. Anderson. Hello, everybody. Hi, Pat. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. <laughs> so, um, what's been going on with you guys? It's the question. Question. Well, of the let's day. do it. Let's do it in a positive way. We just had Chicago's paranormal panel, right? I was going to say, yeah, really, that was, a lot of fun. that was a lot of fun. You've been <laughs> Bill and Ted today. <laughs> Most excellent. <laughs> Most excellent. <laughs> Be Most excellent, excellent to each other. <laughs> but yeah, 69. No, it was, Nine, dudes. <laughs> it was super fun. It was Friday night. It's on YouTube. Uh, YouTube yeah. slash ghostly podcast. You guys can go check it out. And um, it was a lot of fun. Ursula told some crazy, crazy stories about yeah. the Hancock building in Chicago. Stuff that I did not know about. Um, yes. And spiders. spiders. I was just going to yeah. say spiders. <laughs> Absolutely horrifying. Yeah, and definitely and the spiders from Mars. <laughs> and a good addendum to our uh, poltergeist episode, for yes. sure. Um, that was stuff that we 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 kind of touched on in that, but she definitely had more to say. Uh, and then Steve Michaels, who wrestler so related a little bit to our episode uh, today uh told me some things about msi that uh museum of science and industry that i did not know about so yeah people don't know what msi fun. is like right i on. thought it was a college at first i was trying to figure <laughs> that out like a co- hospital of some sort like i, bet, I live right? in the area I'm sure and missouri I still state know. university or <laughs> yeah missouri state <laughs> institute exists i don't know but um yeah anyways it was it was a lot of fun a lot of good good stories so yeah well we have a lot of episode ahead of us uh so we're going to save more of this kind of discussion for the end but right now we have to get to the listener mail and i know rebecca has a very special one does this finish up the series of this MJ? is finishing up the mj series the third the and michael so jordan <laughs> michael <laughs> jackson it's themed mm-hmm. right with our uh last dance um stuff going on on ESPN. Yeah. Uh, no, this one, um, it's, so it's a little long, but I wanted to just finish it out. Um, so just as a reminder, this is a poor family that has now moved into a second house and the entity has now moved across the street into the house with them. Again, the little boy, like let the thing in. Uh, so um, let's continue. Absolutely. In March of 2019, we had decided that we would add a puppy into the mix. I don't know if this is what caused to what happened, what happens next to happen, but it seemed like things started to get worse. A few weeks after we had gotten our dog, we had seen the entity more often and it wasn't shying away anymore. It would start flickering the lights and slamming cabinet doors. There were constant cold spots. My son started to think there was a monster in the bathroom and the kitchen. 
all places where weird things started to escalate. In May of 2019, so not that long ago, no. we woke up to our dog crying, wanting to go outside using the bathroom. My husband took her out and she refused to come back in. My husband dragged her back into the house to the smell of sulfur or rotten eggs. He woke me up to verify that I had also smelled something off. We searched the house and it was stronger from the back of the house where the kids' bedrooms were. We got the kids and took them outside. We called our landlord and said that, and they said there could be a gas leak. They sent someone over to check and it was a gas leak. After that gas leak, we decided to investigate other places to live. I like that this family follows the rules. <laughs> like, get out, right? At least they're trying. We packed our belongings and there the entity was again, looking at our things. At this point, I was done. I, I yelled, is this what you wanted? We are leaving and do not follow us. Something seemed, seeming to hear me, it rushed out of the dining room to the back door, slamming the door. Wow, she's a she's a tough lady. Telling you. Yelling at this entity. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We had moved into a rent-to-own on a Thursday in June. We had originally seen this house as something we could make our own, a way to get away from all the things that we'd been dealing with at the previous two places. We had everything moved in by Saturday. Still, we're working on unpacking. That first Sunday of living in this new residence, I was moving things around, and the kids were in their bedrooms. Um, my husband was outside with our dog when I saw the dark humanoid figure again. So like mm. moved to to totally new house. There it is again. The it third, was the, the third, third house, <laughs> third house. Mm. It was standing just by my side of the bed, just watching me after about five minutes of just standing there. It started to move towards me. I grabbed mm. the kids and went outside. On the first Monday of living in this new residence, I was laying down on the couch in the living room with my daughter underneath the AC unit because it was in June in Kansas, so it was a little warm in the house. My son was playing on the floor in the same room as us. My husband was setting up the house. Our dog started whining to go outside. Seeing I was with the kids, my husband said, said he would take the dog outside to do her business. When she was done, she refused to go back inside the house again. She kept barking toward the house and tried to drag my husband away from the door, trying to drag him down the driveway. He ended up putting her on a chain right outside the front door and came back inside. He opened the door. The smell of sulfur hit. He asked me if I had smelled it since we were sitting low to the ground and the constant movement of air from the AC unit, we hadn't initially smelled it. This time, the smell was overwhelming and not at all like just a few weeks previously that we, so we determined that the gas company needed to be called instead of waiting around on the landlord to get back to us. And the gas company told us we needed to get out of the house immediately and get as far away as possible. We all sat outside in the car uh, sitting in the street as far away from the house, but still close enough for the gas company to ask us questions if they needed it. After the gas company came and surveyed the leak, they determined that if we were to go to sleep in that house, we may not have woken up. For sure, if we had laid our daughter down, she would not have because the gas leak was coming from her room. Wow. Now, I don't know. They, she's, they read tagged the heater. I'm not sure if that's like a no, thing. No, they read tagged. Read tagged. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but that's fine. Uh, and we started packing up our stuff. See, smart. After the second gas leak in only a short amount of time at two different houses, the thought was terrifying. I refused to enter the house. I was sitting in the car with both kids and the dog. So there I was just sitting there watching my husband run around the house, picking up what necessary items we needed 
While watching him run around the house, I had seen the shadow. The shadow was standing in the front window, staring out at me. Instead of yelling at the entity like I had done previously, mainly out of exhaustion, I whispered, fine, you can have the house. We are leaving. Soon my husband came bounding out of the house, arms filled with bags. I was still looking at the window when he got into the driver's seat. He noticed me looking at something. He had asked me what I was looking at, and I said nothing. That will, no, I said nothing that will be bothering us now. We backed out of the driveway, and the figure was still in the window. We were completely moved out by Wednesday. And that was it. Wow. That was the end of her story. <laughs> so mm. I, I will say I did write her back and I said, uh, how are you doing now? <laughs> I was really worried. And she said, since moving, things have been more relaxed, but uh, still have some weird things going on, but nothing like it was before. Wow. That could be a movie. It re- seriously, reading this story was like reading a movie. Um, Bob, I was wondering, do you have any thoughts on what entity or thing might have been traveling with these people? To all these so I've been places? following this story since you guys have been telling it. And the first thought I had was, uh, the first thought I had when the first week we were talking, you guys were talking about it, I was like, well, you have different kinds of hauntings, you have possessions, you have demonic activity. But the first parts of the story really sounded like um, a self-inflicted poltergeist. And what do I mean by that is that people manipulate the ener- their energy around them. And sometimes in a lot of cases, there's no real haunting that goes on. Mm-hmm. It's people are infecting their environment and they're doing things in their sleep. They're doing things without realizing they're doing them. And it kind of grows into a paranoia and that's what I thought of at first, but then when you said it followed them, and I was like, well, maybe there's extra amount of stress. Now you're getting to this part of the story now. Two gas leaks? That's pretty wild. I, um, It is very possible that whatever was attached really, really liked that family for whatever reason. Um, I don't know their story. I don't know their background, but for whatever reason, whatever thing they were putting out bad energy bad luck whatever it was it really attached them attached itself to them that's like not normal ghost activity that's like you know demonic deity kind of level things that was probably attached to them mm-hmm. i'm really glad to hear that they're doing better now because if they were still experiencing things i would have told you to have them email me because i would <laughs> That would have been a cleansing or something. That's that would have been. Yeah. Um, let's step in and try to help them out a little bit. But mm. that's wild. I yeah. followed them to gas leaks. That's just really strange behavior. And very shadow peep, shadow person yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, just yeah. That's really the crazy. wildest. That's wild. The well, the, sm- that, the smell of sulfur is very common for um, these kind of possession-ish kind of things, right? Uh, yeah, so 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 we smells I don't really buy too much into because there are lots of weird things in the houses that can cause things to smell like other things. And this um, time they did find out what it was. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't buy into associating smells with paranormal activity, um, except when you go into like things like rose and perfumes and things like that. But sulfur and demonic activity, yeah, I guess there's an association, but like I try not to buy too much into that. I um I need to see, feel, and like hear mm. um some else. There's way too much that can interact and interfere with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. A, l- a little skeptic light there, huh? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> 
I'm a, I'm a paranormal investigator and I try not to um, go too much in hysterics and I try not to dive yeah. like in the super high believing side mm-hmm. because I don't want to cause panic by saying, oh, there's a haunting here when I don't know the full story. And I don't want to say that because not every time you go into things, there are hauntings. So sure. I try. I have to keep a level head whenever I go into investigative mode and like help mode, you know? Yeah. You have to keep your emotions out of it. Exactly. I don't want to go into something and be like, I smell sulfur, must be a demon. Yeah. yeah. All right. And well, we're going to move story. on. Thank you, MJ, for your great stories. Yeah. Uh, keep in touch. Let us know if anything else happens. Um, we've, we've loved following these stories. So uh, the next part is we are going to talk about our reviews that we've got on Apple Podcasts. Now, reviews, you would think it's just like, you know, people just telling you how great everything is, but reviews actually help us get new listeners. Mm -hmm. The more reviews that we get, the better Apple Podcast puts us in its search engines, and it's a needed thing. We we love getting reviews, and this, this time, we have a lot of ghostly love going on. We have four reviews. So, Rebecca, you want to split these up with me? Sure. All right. I'll go first then. Okay. We have from Mindy FF, uh, Spookly Entertaining. I stumbled upon this podcast recently and was immediately intrigued by it. I love listening to the history of each ghost story and hearing a skeptic's point of view on it. (laughs) I see why he wanted to read these. I I was going to say, the ego, Mm -hmm. I see it growing. Yeah. Personally, I am a team believer, but I do often think all the same thoughts that Pat states when watching or hearing or experiencing anything that's paranormal. Okay. So, all right. You, you could be a team believer. I, I give you that as long as you at least think about other things. <laughs> I right. really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so next one um, from uh, Whitdroden uh, came came over to Apple Podcasts just to leave a review. I left a review review on Facebook already for this podca- podcast, but I just felt like giving them another five star review. The hosts know how to debate properly and research their topics well. The skeptics and believers are both embraced and not made to feel unwelcome, which is uncommon and amazing. They will also talk to you about your experiences and are genuinely super friendly. One of my favorites. Uh, And she is um, a big supporter of the Ghostly Society. And we've talked with her a bunch over there. Yeah, Ghostly Society, great place to come tell us your stories, chat with other listeners, you know, believers and skeptics. It's weird fun. All right. We're halfway done with the reviews. Okay. The next one is from Sarah Jean 76. If you love Chicago, you'll love Ghostly. Chicago is my favorite city to visit. Da Bears. That's why I wanted to do this one, because I could say Da Bears. Um, that's how I got reeled in. While the subject matter is very intriguing to me, and I probably land more on the believer side. Sorry, Pat. It's okay. Uh, it's the history that got me hooked. I love to hear about the stories that lead to the legends. Even though all their stories aren't based in Chicago, this one is not, today's episode is not a Chicago episode, you'll get a little touch of Chicago every time you listen. Ghostly often has guests that will expose you to other great entertainers. 
Mondo's singing is the best. <laughs> so whether you are a team skeptic or team believer, each episode will have something for you. Don't forget to vote after the episode. I sent this to Mondo. Mondo was very happy uh, to see that. Um, shout out to Mondo. Um, you got to get on the show. You got to start beating Bob here. I mean, Bob's been I know, on I was just going to say, Bob now. is now beating your record. So yeah. I don't know. So, we got to well, get you back right. on, Mondo. We miss you. Mondo's the other, um, the other son from Happy Days, the one that went into the room. Oh, no, oh. he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> All or right. the basketball player. The basketball. And I'll, I'll start being the more cameo character, Chachi, right? Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, you're totally a Chachi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to read one more real quick here. We uh, like this one too. Um, Chef Alice 01 uh, said, super fun listen. I found this podcast on PodCoin as a suggestion before it's untimely end. Oh, PodCoin. I know, uh, I miss it. I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad I subscribed to it and look forward to, to every new episode. This is such a fun podcast to listen to. You can tell that Pat and Rebecca have a lot of fun doing the research and debating the topics each week. I'm usually hashtag team believer, but there have been a few times Pat has made valid points that have changed my mind. Well, I'm glad I could do that for you. Uh, so, I, you know, let's do I just the next want part. people. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, thank you guys. Please yeah, leave us you. reviews. We will read uh, until it gets to like five reviews in a period. We're going to try to read out each one of them for you. Okay. All right. So I've been winning these polls, so I'm feeling pretty confident. I was just going to say, I'm going so You've been on a winning streak, polls. man. Yeah. I have been. I have you know, been. I mean, we just read a review where that you convince people sometimes. I do sometimes. So yeah. they all seem to really like what you have to say. And, yeah. Um, so in our last episode, we talked about sleep paralysis. Um, the question was, can sleep paralysis be attributed to the paranormal? And uh, the the votes were 69% to 31%. Man, I won big this time again. No. Wait, what? It was 69% yes and 31% no. Oh. Yeah, believers came uh, out big for this one. Sorry. Oh, that's, uh, Bob, that's did you vote in this? I, I did, yes. He was the first vote, I bet. I, I saw was, that. I even <laughs> made, had to make the comment saying first vote. What did you vote, Bob? Absolutely. I don't think uh, every time is, but no. I do definitely think that there are times where they uh, sleep paralysis is definitely like contributes to the whole paranormal thing, vice versa. Paranormal yeah, contributes it was, to the... It was a loaded question, and I kind of brought that up during the episode, too. So I actually didn't expect to win this one. (laughs) I mean, in your defense, though, Pat, speaking of loaded questions, on your polls the the week before last with the Jack the Ripper one, I mean, that was totally a loaded question. It was. It was, but... And I had to vote for Pat on that one because of the loaded question. Mm -hmm. But who came up with that question, though? Well, that was you, but I agree. No, it was you. It was you. It It was was totally you. It's fine. It's fine. I got to throw you a bone every once in a while. All right. So we got to get into this episode because this is going to be a long and very dark episode, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly. I think we're Um, all kind of trying to delay the darkness. (laughs) Yeah. Although we're going to try to throw a little bit of fun into it when we can, um, but we don't want to... um, minimalize the impact of the story though by making it to morning radio show-ish yes uh so this episode is going to go to some real dark places as we said um if you have a sensitivity to drug abuse 
or suicide, you may want to stop listening to this episode. If you or anyone you know suffers from suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Hotline. That's 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255, or visit crisistextline.org. And this will all be in the show notes too. Mm-hmm. So um, you can click over there if you, you know, can't figure out exactly what the URL is. Um, and that will, um, that will text someone anytime that, you know, you are in need. So they're available in the U.S., Canada, U.K., and Ireland. So I grew up loving the Von Erics. I was a big fan of the Von Erics. I even met Carrie Von Erich once. This is my personal side note. Uh, then I'll go to you, Bob, and I'll go to you, Rebecca, to find out what your personal aspect of this story is. Um, so Carrie Von Erich wrestled with the WCCW at my high school in wow. either 89 or 90. You know, those years are kind of blurry for me. Um, he was there as the Texas Tornado, <laughs> and he was the headliner. Of course. I mean, he was already doing stuff for the WWF, which is now the WWE. He was already a big name, already wrestled in a WrestleMania, I think, at that point. So I remember I I had really bad seats to this. I don't know if it was because I came late or because they were assigned seats, but they were really bad. But there was not many people actually in my section. So I took the next to the last row um, seat. And, um, it was really close to the locker room though. So we were, um, sitting there and while watching the first match, I saw a person standing in the locker room doorway. Then I could feel someone get to the back row of the bleachers, but it was weird because to go up bleachers, you have to go up the sides, right? This person didn't go up the sides. It came from the back. There was a, they flew. Like something, I don't know. It was kind of kind of weird, paranormal-ish almost. <laughs> and I could feel that somebody was directly behind me. You know how you could feel someone's like right there? I could feel that. And I turned and the person told me to turn back around and that he was using me to block him from the other people. So because my section was not very crowded, there wasn't any people around him. And... I could kind of see out of the corner of my eye that this was a humongous mammoth of a man. And I could see the hair. The hair, I mean, come on. I mean, only Bob has hair like that. So, (laughs) (laughs) And that's when I realized who it was. And he talked to me from behind me for at least three or four matches. Uh, That was like an hour long that he sat behind me and just talked to me and, you know, complained and told me about – who some of the people were and he would tell me, Hey, watch this part. And it was really cool though. So Bob, you have a Von Eric connection as well. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on this episode of ghostly. Yeah, there is. Um, I grew up in a wrestling heavy house. There is, mm. I don't want to dive too much into my personal life, but it's um, generations, right? And generation, couple generations back, I had a family member whose 
was actually a territorial wrestler, right? Like when wrestling was at its pioneering days mm. and he actually has photos and story had he's long past now. And he would show us these photos and he would tell us stories about how he would work with the old man, Fritz von Eric. And oh, yeah. yeah. And I mean, that, those are stories and stuff like that. That's always resided with me growing up in the wrestling world and just kind of being involved and seeing it and experiencing it my entire life, you know? And when it comes to certain names in the wrestling world, not too many are as important as the Von Eric family. Cause yeah. that was kind of how I grew up. It was, you know, your family's involved with wrestling and then you're expected to kind of just fall in the line with wrestling. And those boys, the brothers, they were just so, they were so American yes, and they were definitely, so, and they were so just, it's like an emotional thing, right? I've, it's cool. It's really great to, you know, great and get to tell that story and, you know, it, it's great. I, it, that's, that's the basically end of it is just the Von Eriks are probably one of the most synonymous names for professional wrestling. Even if they're not talked about too much these days, they're yeah. still, you know, probably one of the most important families in the professional wrestling world. How, how would you rank them to, you know, to the Hart family? They're above them. Absolutely. You, you think they're above them? Um, I am. And I, that's no knock to the Hart family because the Hart family was very important for what they did too. Yeah. I am from America. So it's, you know, I'm going to reside with, you know, heroes. The All-American boys. The All-American family. And in yeah. Canada, the Hart family were a very important group of people for the Canadians. It's just sure. one of those things. There's nothing wrong with that. You just, you know, when you're watching the Olympics, you kind of, you know, root for your country, you know, it's mm -hmm. just one of those things. And mm. I have, well, they were big in Texas, right? Which absolutely. Probably came up to the Midwest sometimes. Oh know? yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's the thing. So it, and there's nothing wrong with that. I got the utmost respect for the Hart family. They're very important for what they did. And any other wrestling family, same goes with the flares or mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. like that. But the Von Eriks, in my opinion, are probably, synonymous for being one of the most important families especially with how horrible everything just ended over the years oh, yeah. mm -hmm. and just think of like where they could be now had they had this not all have happened yes absolutely it's amazing to think of that the wccw so. if things didn't fall apart the way they did that could have been probably the biggest company in oh, the yeah. world today and i mean that's just the sheer talent and the humility, too. That's yeah. the other thing you have to understand is the Von Erich family were very human. You know, you it's when, yeah. uh, wasn't uncommon. You would see them, like, shopping at a grocery store or helping, you know, somebody with a car problem or something. They were very human. And Absolutely. So, yeah, that's just a thing, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rebecca, what's your connection to this story? Uh, so I heard about the Von Erich family a few months ago when you first mentioned them to me. <laughs> Whoa, that's your connection. That's so, my connection. I've, so Rebecca, I've since learned a lot more about them. But. Yeah. Rebecca's been doing this thing uh, that's kind of funny. It's um, So I hang out with a lot of comedians and a lot of comedians that love wrestling. Mm -hmm. And um, now I... I have been a wrestling fan a couple of times in my life, like for large portions, but I would not say that I'm a big wrestling fan now. 
So I'm kind of in between. Like Bob is definitely a a wrestling fanatic almost. Yeah. Uh, I am kind of the middle. Like I know who he's talking about. I understand these people. I watch WrestleMania like every year if I can, but I'm not, I don't watch that often. It's, it's too time consuming for me. Rebecca, you don't watch at all. No, not at so, all. Supposedly my great grandma did, but after okay. that we're out. I don't know. Nope. It didn't carry, didn't carry down. Uh-huh. So um, when me and my comedian friends are talking about different uh, people, we will say names. And uh, if Rebecca doesn't know the name, she assumes that they are wrestlers. Yes, I do. If, yeah, if you guys are talking about somebody, you mentioned some name and everyone's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Wrestler. Yeah. So, that's- so I messaged Bob late last night and I said, hey, I want to play this game. Rebecca doesn't know we're doing this. But I was just we are gonna going to say, what game? <laughs> we are going to play a game with Rebecca. It's the name game. Okay. Where me and Bob are going to name off some names. Okay. And you are going to tell us if they are wrestlers or not. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's see. If I am I warning you about my list. I do have a trick question in there for you too, Rebecca. Ooh, Ooh, I don't even nice. know what that means, but all right, let's do it. <laughs> all right. Um, Bob, you want to start off or you want me to start? You could start, Pat. Okay. So my first, my first name okay. is going to be Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes. Dusty mm-hmm. Rhodes. I'm going to say wrestler. Ding, ding, ding. ding you ding, got yay. that one. That was a total guess. I was completely okay. guessing. I do not know that name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next one, Dustin Rhodes. Oh. A wrestler. Does he have a brother? I don't know. It's his son, actually. Oh, now, these are go. wrestling names, and it's weird how they, like, take on, like, the Von Erics. That's not their name, but they go by Von Eric. That's, yep, they don't that's, go by that's anything so else. interesting. All right, yep. so, so yeah. Bob, does Bob, do we want to switch back and forth, or are you going to do all yours first? I got two more. So okay, if let's I could do just it. do my two more, I will throw it to Bob. Then. Okay. Randy Rhodes. Oh. Not a wrestler. Wow, you're doing really good here. There's yeah. actually uh, Randy uh, Rhodes I to on like a talk show or something. Well, Randy Rhodes actually uh, was Ozzy's guitar player. Oh, it did Crazy Train. Okay, I did not know that one. All right, one last one. Good. Jimmy Snuka. Ooh. Hmm. Not a wrestler. Oof. <laughs> Bob, is he a wrestler? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Was bummer. he a good wrestler? We're not talking about Jimmy Snooker. Probably, <laughs> probably not the best name to have a conversation about. Jimmy uh, Superfly Snooker. yes. He, uh, was a, he was a big draw once upon a time. All right. Well, I was just lucky I got that first one, so then I, that helped me. All, all right. right. All right. It's so all on I'm you. three out of four so far. Mm-hmm. All right, Rebecca, I'm going to start okay. you off at the hardest one possible. This okay. is a question. Okay. Andy Kaufman. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm going to say wrestler. Cause didn't he like do wrestling? You are absolutely correct. I he do remember in... that. There was like a special. I remember seeing that. Do you know, do you know who it was that he wrestled? No. Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler. The king. No idea. Man on nope. the moon. Yep. No idea who that is. But... All right. <laughs> Gold pants, Gary Goodwin. 
<laughs> That's an amazing name. I would have to say wrestler. Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> I want to watch Gold Pants wrestle. Come on. Did you just make that name up? Oh, I've spent many days and many hours <laughs> of my life coming up with bad wrestling gimmicks. <laughs> Gold Pants Gary Goodwin is like, if I got to make one WWE appearance, that's what been my uh, my name. Um, Moose Cholock. Moose Cholock. Like Master Choli? What, uh... Moose is in like the animal with the antlers. Oh, Moose Cholock. Um, all right, I'm going to say wrestler. You won. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Wow. There's a Chicago uh, legend once oh, upon a time okay. ago. had a bar on the south side for you. Oh, nice. oh, nice. Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. <laughs> Duke the Dumpster? I'm going to say not a wrestler. Ooh, sorry. Duke, oh. the dumpster. Duke's the, Duke the Dumpster was a wrestler in <laughs> the early 90s who donned a garbage man gimmick. Okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. I'll give you two more. Okay. Amish roadkill. Amish roadkill. Now, okay, it seems to me that there would be an Amish wrestler, but Amish roadkill seems a bit extreme. So I'm going to say not a wrestler. Rebecca, you were on the right path, but then you fell apart. Yes. (laughs) Amish roadkill was a professional wrestler who donned a Amish gimmick who wrestled in an extreme championship wrestling. So you had all the right names. Oh, wow. I'll give you two more. Um, Sassy Steve Stevenson. Sassy Steve Stevenson. Wrestler. No, totally made that one up. Okay. (laughs) And then the last one, Brooklyn Brawler. Brooklyn Brawler. Oh, wrestler. Yep, you were correct there. Okay. Yeah, the Brooklyn Brooklyn Brawler, that's actually, uh, he, he started up a bunch of times. Did he ever really get that far? No, um, no, he, he was always just like some heel that was a bump for someone, right? He filled in for a lot of roles over his career. Oh, he, he did, did a yes. lot of really famous stuff, but you just didn't know it was him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he played a, a bunch of different characters too, right? Yes, yes. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our game. So now the happiness, goes ri- the happiness goes right out the window from yeah, here. Right? No, yeah, exactly. It's going to get a little sad now. Yeah. So, Rebecca, would you like to tell us your ghost story? Oh, okay. Sadness. Okay, here we go. Ghost story for today. Um, <clears throat> I woke up this morning in pain, like always. Pain from my missing limb. Pain from the blows I took last night and pain from losing so much over the last few years. They say I'm the best. That it's on my shoulders to take this journey to start superstardom home for the family name. But it's hard to find the motivation when most of my family is gone from this earth. But tonight, things are different. I went out to the woods to get away from the noise and to take some things to dull the pain. As I sat there meditating, trying just to focus on the sounds of nature around me, I heard the sweetest thing I've ever heard, the voices of my lost brothers. I never thought I'd hear them again, but I did. Clear as day. They sounded so happy and at peace, much more than they ever did while here 
living with the same crushing expectations and anguish, they told me it's time to join them. That I too can have peace up above and just watch it all without having to feel the pain anymore. I immediately felt peace. Now I just have to wait until they tell me it's my time. Maybe now I can sleep. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's... Man, I wasn't prepared for that one, Rebecca. I know, I'm sorry. Just a taste of our story for today. (laughs) It progressively gets worse, folks. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But not quite yet. Not quite yet. (laughs) We are going to take a break. Yes. All right. So uh, during our break this time, actually, we are not going to put in some pre-recorded stuff. We are going to talk to you about Cryptid Crate. So I reached out to the fine people at Cryptid Crate and I asked to review one of their boxes. So they send out a monthly box. They're one of those kind of services. And I thought, how cool would it be to get something paranormal in the mail every single month? They blew my mind. Uh, I got a review box and I showed Rebecca the stuff that I received. Rebecca, what did you think? It was amazing. So you showed me the package. Like I got to watch you open it and it was, it like seemed kind of small. I was like, all right, what could be in this thing? Uh It was um, seriously very cool. Very um, uh, old school sci-fi crypto crypty stuff i it, it was a lot of fun to yeah so yeah they they sent a dvd i got a t-shirt i got a pair of socks even yes. i mean who paranormal so- bob do you own Big any paranormal socks. socks i own three pairs of paranormal socks wow go. do you okay uh yeah. well i own a pair now myself um they also uh sent us a mothman a mothman oh. like um like Almost a figurine. Like a figure, yeah. Really, yeah. really cool looking. I know I know you love the Mothman. I I certainly do, yes. And they send a few other things. I mean, I thought it was amazing. Bob, what did you think of the pictures that I sent you? <laughs> the merch is really great. Um, from a paranormal standpoint, it's really cool to see them get the merch right. Um, it's when you hear about these um pay subscription box-esque things. Mm. Sometimes you get like really cool stuff month to month and then other times they just fall flat on what the theme is. Right. But it's really cool that you could just say a broad theme like cryptozoology and paranormal and you just get the items involved with it. And the fact that they nailed it on the head, absolutely. Mm-hmm. absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to hear about that. Yeah. And well, I know, Bob, Pat, you did research, right? I did. I, I looked at a bunch of them and that one was like my favorite one too. Because I've been, you know... Like, like I'm into survival stuff, and there's survival boxes that you can get every every single uh, month. And I was just, you know, wondering if there was any paranormal. And there are a few, but this was my favorite. But, Bob, what about if I told you that you can get 10% off of their crypt, cryptid crate? Tell me more, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> All you got to do is use the promo code GHOSTLY when you're ordering. Wow. And what's great about it is I'm a big guy. And oftentimes they give you a shirt that's like a medium. Yes. 
they gave me a shirt that fits. That's wow. great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So just go to cryptidcrate.com and type in the promo code ghostly to get 10% off your monthly order. That's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So it's time to get into the history. Every episode I do a history, I didn't know exactly what to do. But as I started to do research and I started writing up this stuff, it, it, it like kind of spoke to me and said, no, you have to say this and you have to say that. So it kind of wrote itself. <laughs> um, so the concept of wrestling has its roots in old traditional folk wrestling. Um, you know, you would see two guys usually take their shirt off and just start, you know, Moving around, they didn't punch people or anything like that. They just would, like, try to get you to go to the ground or something. That's like folk wrestling. It resembles more like uh, like the Olympic style that you would see, you know, like the Greco-Roman um, wrestling. It doesn't involve punching, but more rolling around on the mat. All I've ever seen is the South Park episode, which is really <laughs> helpful to me to understand <laughs> wrestling. Yeah, but you've watched, you've watched amateur wrestling or Greco-Roman or Olympic-style wrestling. Yes. yes, I have. Yeah. I love the Olympics. I'm an Olympic nerd. Absolutely. So you understand that, that part of it so far. But in the 19th century, things kind of changed. Uh, there wasn't as many rules as far as the Greco-Roman style of wrestling or amateur wrestling. And they were starting to do some match-fixing, which, um, spoiler alert, Wrestling probably is not the realest thing that you could watch. It's not like watching a Cubs game. The outcome might be known, but what they do in that ring, they put their bodies through this immense torture almost. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. So that style of wrestling kind of died off, though. Um, and it didn't get any more popularity until like the forties and fifties. And that's when gorgeous George gained some mainstream popularity. Do you know gorgeous first... George, Bob? Oh, absolutely. That's a, <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a name. That's a it name. Is. Yeah, I've never heard this name. Very, very important in the wrestling world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, if there was no gorgeous George, there wouldn't be a Hulk Hogan. No, you're right. Now that's a name Hogan, I know. I know. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Hey, hey. <laughs> So wrestling started to spread to other countries like Mexico and Japan at around this time. So in the 40s and 50s, people are already wrestling in other countries. Wrestling is not like what it is now. It was very regional. Stars in one region would be unknown in other regions. Oftentimes the heroes from one region would go to another region and be the heel, which is the bad guy. So... In this time is when the Von Erichs come into the picture. Well, kind of. Jack Barton Ad, Ad Edkison? Edkison. Right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Edkison, yeah. Was born on August 16th, 1929 in Texas. Uh, the Texas background behind the character was real. He was originally trained by Stu Hart. We had mentioned the Hart um, family. Yes. Stu kind of trained every good wrestler of those days, except 
Hulk Hogan, uh, which kind of explains a lot. I would that say Hulk is the most uh, amazing guy. Is that? <laughs> and if you ever watch a Hulk Hogan match, uh, and Hulk, come on the show. We would love to have you. Um, you could tell us otherwise, but you could like you know exactly when it's turning, and you know exactly you can call out exact moves as far as like his last six or seven moves in his routine. Mm. You know, so he's not improving. No, definitely not. Okay. Uh, but I mean, maybe once upon a time he did. I'm not saying that he, you know, I'm just saying that he became a a fixture. This is what people wanted to see. So mm. he did that. Uh, but Stu has his own legacy and tragedies. Um, by the way, Stu had 12 children. Mm. That's a lot of children, right? Yep. Uh, so there's a legend that I heard and I thought was true until doing some more research about this, that Jack played for the NFL, hmm. but actually he didn't. He, um, he, he tried out, he um, didn't really make it. And then he tried for the Canadian football league. So uh, okay. maybe that's when he met Stu. I don't know. Anyways, it was Stu Hart that changed Jack's name to Fritz Von Erich and teamed him with someone else called Waldo Von Erich. Uh, he's not going to come up too much in this episode of Ghostly, although if you do some uh, searching, uh, there is some bad blood between the, the fake Von Erichs or whatever you want to say. And um, they were called the Evil German Brothers. So from now on, I'm going to call Jack's descendants by the Von Erich name, just to make things a little bit easier for us to be able to talk about. Um, Fritz or Jack or whatever his name is or was, uh, well, he got married to Doris Smith on June 23rd, 1950, and they had six sons. They had Jack Jr. He was born on September 21st, 1952. They had Kevin, born May 15, 1957. So there was a five-year gap there. Then they had David, born July 22, 1958. They had Carrie, born February 3, 1960. They had Mike, born March 2, 1964. And finally, Chris, born September 30, 1969. Man, Doris. Just yeah, right. Hats off to you. That's pretty and, amazing. And these weren't tiny kids either, let me tell you. <laughs> um, Fritz's German character was a big hit. Uh, he was a heel most of his uh, career because he played a Nazi. That's kind of what he wanted to do. Can you explain what you mean by heel? Yeah, I did a little bit earlier. Heel is a bad guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What are the good guys called? What is. Faces. Faces, faces and heels, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Okay. Um, but one thing that people would say about Fritz is that he was one of the toughest wrestlers of, of that day, and maybe of all times, too. Uh, he was tough. Early on, though, there was a tragedy, and uh, unfortunately, this just keeps getting worse and worse when we go down this story. Um, while traveling the circuit and in New York by, um, by Niagara Falls, Jack Jr. died outside the Von Erichs trailer by getting accidentally shocked by an exposed wire. 
And that alone, he probably would have been okay. But it rendered him unconscious, and he fell into a puddle and ended up drowning to death. He was six years old. So that's the first of the tragedies that, that happened. Um, Fritz kept wrestling, but he refused to go to the East Coast again. And he let his fake wrestling brother use the Von Erichs name in that territory. So we have Von Erichs that are wrestling in the East, and we have Von Erichs that are mostly out of the Texas area. Kevin uh, now was the eldest boy after Jack Jr. died, and he was pretty good at football and probably would have actually made it to the big times, made it to the NFL, if he didn't have a career-ending injury. Uh, as Fritz got older, he stopped wrestling, and uh, he actually bought um, WCCW, which is World Class Championship Wrestling. Uh, they went by another name too, right? World Class something. It was WCWC or something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. And um, they were part of NWA, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it allowed Fritz to be around his children because it was headquartered in Dallas. So the Von Erics were actually considered to be like Texas royalty back then. And any accomplishments or setbacks that anyone in the family had made the paper. It was like all over the news. Uh, as they got older, it seemed logical for them to all work for their father in WCCW, although he, he did not make it easy for them to do that. He, he made them uh, have to be as good as anybody else that, that they would bring into the WCCW, which were pretty high caliber uh, wrestlers. A funny story about Kevin in the WCCW and kind of something that Bob had mentioned before we started recording. Um, Kevin would always wrestle barefoot. The announcers even started to call him barefoot boy. Um, but Kevin admitted that he had never set out to do that. One day the guys in the locker room hit his boots and he wasn't able to find them, so he just went out on the stage like that, went into the ring, and um, it somehow kind of became his trademark. Do you want to tell your story, Bob? Oh, we'll, we'll <laughs> move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's that Bob has uh, hobbit feet. That's what it was. No, Thanks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, okay, so then now we're going to talk about David Von Erich. He was nicknamed the Yellow Rose of uh, Texas. And actually, as far as uh, all of them goes, he was probably one of the more technical uh, wrestlers out of all of them. Uh, he was called the Yellow Rose of Texas because he brought a yellow rose to the ring. Aww, right? Aww. And I think there's a song, right? I, I don't know. Yellow Is there? Rose oh, yes, Texas, yes. Rose of yeah. like the bloom. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. <laughs> I totally lost your entire Texas fan base after that. One. <laughs> we actually have a pretty big Texas fan base. That's why Not I anymore was after to I do just this. butchered the signal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Texas. Yeah. Uh, well, um, David got married and had a daughter that died in in infancy, and uh, that ended his marriage. And he would later remarry, but he had no children after that. On February 10th, 1984, Fritz received the news that you never want to hear. He found out that David had died. 
The official cause of death was acute entritis, but it's kind of a known thing that it was more likely a drug overdose. Uh, it's believed that his uh, friend, Bruiser Brody, found him and flushed the drugs down the toilet. And some reputable people have spoke out, like um, Bret Hart and Mick Foley. I would say that they're pretty reputable. And Never heard of not- either of them. Brett is a <laughs> massive superstar, one of the yeah. greatest wrestlers of all time. And Mick Foley did lots of things, including comedy. Okay. He Actually, did. that name he maybe did. sounds a little more familiar, but yeah. And his story arcs were just amazing. Mick Foley, yeah. The Rock and Sock Connection, one of my favorite things in wrestling. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've definitely heard mixed uh, stories about what happened to, yeah. to David. So, Bob, who's your favorite wrestler of all times? I just am curious. That's... Uh, Macho Man, Bret Hart, probably would be mixing up with the two. Okay. Um, just based on sheer talent and just amazing everything. Probably Macho Man just for the sake of just over the top, like, yeah. here, you know. He was, yeah. And That's one Bret, I know. And Bret Hart was more, like, cool and collective. And yeah, so that would, be, that would be the two, I would say. There's not really much of a uh, – yeah, those were the two. Mine, I would say, and you're probably going to think this is crazy. Gold Pants Gary Goodwin. <laughs> yes. Maybe just as crazy as that, the road dog Jesse James. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I just really liked his storyline. Man, I we mean, were before talking that, about the Von Erics, and there's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> Ric Flair's involved with them, the Four Horsemen, et cetera. Yeah. Like the road dog, Jesse James. No offense if you're listening to Ghostly Podcasts. Sir. Well, before that, it was Brutus the Barber Beefcake, so. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I like the... I like the unpopular ones, I guess. That's why I don't watch wrestling anymore. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Just so watch South Park. Just yeah. <laughs> so. All you guys talk about is the storylines. I love welcome it. Welcome to Wrestling Lee. <laughs> yeah. So through David's death, uh, Carrie, Carrie Von Erich's career started to take off. I mean, it wasn't, he didn't take advantage of it. It was just something that happened. And uh, they wanted a replacement Von Erich in the WCCW for when Carrie would eventually move on. So they brought Mike Von Erich, and he was supposed to replace David in a feud that they were engaged in. This feud is um, with, um, what was it, the the Horseman, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so that was a big WCCW plot line that was going on, so they brought him in to replace it. Mike had wanted to be a cameraman. That's what he wanted to do in wrestling. And he never really saw himself as a wrestler. Fritz kind of forced him to take over, thinking that, you know, it would just make him stronger. Mike was really in no shape to be a wrestler. Um, he He was athletic, but didn't really have the explosive energy that you need to be in a match. I mean, like, you look at people like, um, like Bam Bam Bigelow and, you know, some of the other bigger guys. And That's you not think, a name. Come yes, on. It is a name. Man, you, Rebecca, name. you lost the game even after when I... <laughs> Bam Bam was on Flintstones. I don't understand. Bam Bam was one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Man. He was, yeah. Um, but you look at people like this and you think they're just they're just fat guys. You know, they're, they really don't have any muscle to them. 
or even like uh, Mark Henry, which is like one of the world's strongest men, you look at them and you're just like, okay, they're big guys. That's it. But you have to have an energy. Not only is it, is it the muscle, it's the energy that goes into it. Yes. And Mike just didn't have this. Um, he got injured while on a tour of Israel and was forced to have surgery. The surgery caused him to have toxic shock syndrome, and this caused him to have several fevers that would spike up over 105 degrees. And it wasn't really diagnosed or that we know of. It hasn't been released to the public, but it it seems like he might have had some kind of brain damage done to him during that time. Um, As you you hear him talk afterwards, and he just wasn't the same person that he was beforehand. Uh, He couldn't return to the ring. And that must have been very hard for him because of how much his father pushed him to do it. (sighs) So Mike committed suicide on April 12th, 1987 um, by overdosing on a tranquilizer. So that's the third son. That is the third son. We had the child. We had David. We have Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick correction because it just popped into memory. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike, and this probably won't all matter to like the three wrestling fans that are listening to this, but the feud wasn't with the horsemen. It was the Freebirds. Oh, the Freebirds. That's right. That's right. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Just a quick correction. Wait, we don't want to get letters. (laughs) (laughs) Like that Bob after dark guy totally agreed to the wrong thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (sighs) So yeah, we're up to three now. The next one to go was Chris. He was smaller than his brother and had a lot of health problems. He had asthma, and the asthma meds that he took caused him to have brittle bones. But he did have a passion for wrestling. He had that energy that Mike didn't have. Um, But he was, you know, just a little small and brittle boned, so... Like you said, they are doing physical work. Like regardless yes. of what the outcome is, you really are getting thrown on the mat. Like you're getting yes. thrown up against things. Like it's, I mean, no, no one's trying to hurt you, but like they're trying to, you know, not like really hurt you, but like you oh, must yeah. get hurt. Like there's no way. There's not wrestling physical. isn't fake. Um, it Everything you see in the ring, everything that they're doing are real moves and real, real risks. And mm-hmm. The fact that he, you know, Chris was able to go out and do all of that still and have the drive really shows the character because he wanted to step up and yeah. be the other brother. Um, he did. Desperately, he wanted to. Yes, that was like, he did. And they said, I remember they were talking about his training. It was just brutal because he couldn't do with a lot of the stuff. So they were trying to work around it and he was getting hurt every day. And yeah. But he still went out and did it. The guy worked matches. So he did. Uh, He had that passion for wrestling and wanted to be like his brother and his father. Um, People were really worried that he was going to get very seriously injured during one of these matches, though. Um, Fortunately, it was just that he broke his arm in a match um, and he wasn't able to wrestle for a short period of time. That might have saved him from dying in the ring. Um, But that kind of led to other stuff. He got frustrated and he became very heartbroken uh, over the loss of Mike. Um, so he committed, committed suicide 18 days before his 22nd birthday by a gunshot to the head. Wow. So 
And you would think too, Chris and Mike, they were the two younger boys. I think yes. they were probably very close, looked up to their the big three older brothers that, you know, and so I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. This this had to be really tough. Um, that leaves Carrie and Kevin. Carrie was the most successful of Von Erics. I mean, he was built to be a wrestler. Um, he had the physique, he had the hair, he had the attitude, the charisma, everything. Um, he also won the Intercontinental Championship in what is now the WWE. It was the WWF back then. And even wrestled in, um, I, I want to say two WrestleManias, but I know for sure one. Uh, he wow. had two nicknames, the Texas Tornado and the Modern Day Warrior. This is the one you met. Right? Yes, this is the one that I met. That yes, sat behind you. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I I would say that I met him, but I was like in his presence and I talked with him. There you so. go. Um, I you know modern day warrior. I thought that was kind of like a spin on the Ultimate Warrior, which is kind of funny because there's this whole rumor that Kerry Von Erich was uh, the Ultimate Warrior at one time because they believed that the Ultimate Warrior passed away when it was actually Kevin. It's kind of a weird, weird rumor that went around. Yes, it's a strange web. Yeah, but they look a lot alike, though, if you really look at them, and their physiques are pretty similar, too. Um, so, But it has been disproven. He was not the Ultimate Warrior, never did that. The modern-day warrior thing came from his entrance, entrance music, which he would come out to the song Tom Sawyer by Rush sometimes. Good choice. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would choose that as a wrestling uh, intro. You know, like Triple H's uh, The Game. Now that's something to come out to. You know, what's your favorite uh, entrance music, Bob? Oh, um, that's a good question. You threw me under a bus there. I really like I Mick Foley. I really like Mick Foley's solo music is a oh. jam. And then Undertaker's like third during like the funeral uh, parlor like uh, age of the Undertaker, like and I'm classic. sure I'm sure you like I am a real American. <laughs> yes, but even better than the real American was the Lex Express. I oh. could be your hero. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, sorry, I wanted to pause and do something silly before we talk about this. Um, on June 4th, 1986, Carrie was in a motorcycle accident. He actually rammed his motorcycle into the back of a police car. And it was pretty bad. Uh, he almost died in that accident. His right leg was injured, and he dislocated his hip. And um, they did a surgery on his right leg, and everything seemed to be doing okay-ish. But Carrie, being the kind of guy that he was, he attempted to walk on it before his doctors advised him to do that and uh, re-injured it, and the doctors had no choice but to amputate his right foot. That is a lesson, seriously, like, scary for what it's worth, Carrie um, post amputation actually went to the WWF and worked with his amputated foot. Yeah. If that mm-hmm. if that goes to show anything yeah. about the guy, he still worked. Absolutely, and that's when I saw him was after that. 
So, and I didn't notice anything. Uh, wow. Fritz and Fritz and family uh, told him not to let this information out. So it remained a secret until he died. These were brothers that were so close that they would keep a secret, even though it could be something they could have gained a lot of money just exposing that. Mm. But they they would never do that to uh, to a brother. Uh, I really wonder what would have what would it have meant for him to have just told people that he that this happened and that he was still wrestling and was wrestling at a very high level after that. In fact, none of none of his WWE success happened until after that. So he could have been an inspiration to a lot of people had he had just exposed this fact. But I do wonder if they would have let him or if they would have treated him differently. Like back then, I mean, like today, you know, but like, I don't know. That's... Well, today they would have been fine. Yeah. You know? I but don't know. back then, I mean, he would have had to have done it for a few matches and then finally and been then like, ta-da. Yeah. You know? yeah. And Vince would have probably used that as part of a part of <laughs> a character. Of, yeah, exactly. It would have probably been his thing then, but I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> as you could probably imagine though, wrestling with only one foot probably hurt a lot. It's torture to begin with. And you're doing even more to hurt yourself on a constant basis. He became very addicted to painkillers after that. And this led to more drug problems in general. And that led him to getting arrested and put on probation. And then he got arrested again. And this would probably mean that he was going to have to serve some jail time. Carrie had told several people of his plans, but not his family. Kevin, his brother, recalls him idolizing his brother Chris's suicide. Things got really dark during his final days, and Carrie went to his father's ranch on February 18, 1993, was, which was the day that they actually um, wrapped up his court case and he would have had to show up to go to jail. Uh, he told Fritz that he loved him and always would, and then he stole his forty-four caliber um, pistol and drove off to another part of the ranch and, and killed himself. He shot himself in the heart actually. Yeah. Yeah. Which a 44 caliber. That's yeah. That's a big, that's a, that's a big gun. Uh, Carrie told Bret Hart that his brothers were calling him. So we have five of the six brothers now gone. Um, and on September 10th, 1997, Fritz passed away. Um, he had lung cancer that eventually spread to his brain. And Kevin is the only Von Erich brother to still remain living. But the Von Erich legacy is still going in wrestling today. Uh, Lacey Dawn Atkinson, Atkinson, that name Atkinson, yeah, Atkinson. Uh, wrestled in the WWE and TNA wrestling. She's Carrie's daughter. Um, Marshall and Ross Von Erich are the sons of Kevin Von Erich, the last surviving. Are, and they are still wrestling and just signed a deal with Major League Wrestling last year. So their futures are looking pretty bright, I would say. 
We hope. Sorry to be such a Debbie Downer. <laughs> there is a positive right? ending though for Kevin at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kevin Kevin lives on this what he calls heaven, his his happy place. He lives in Hawaii. Yes. He basically gets to be as spiritual as he wants. He wanders his area with a machete, a barefoot, and cuts <laughs> down coconuts, smokes cigars. Young coconuts, yeah. Yeah. And he and that's Kevin has a happy story, happy ending to every tragedy. So at least can we end the history on a good note? Yeah, well, exactly. Well, and his two, you mentioned his two sons. I think he also has another son, another daughter or two daughters, something like that. And he has grandkids and they all run around the property and, you know, he lives in paradise and, um, and Carrie had another daughter. Yes. Yeah. Carrie. Yeah. Holly. Yes. Holly was her name. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but she, she never got into wrestling, though, I don't no. think. No. But Kevin always says, like, to this day, he's like, you know, don't don't take pity on me. I'm the luckiest man in the world with mm. the way how everything ended for him. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he actually retired from wrestling um, pretty recently, actually. Yeah. It was probably like 10 years ago or so, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 10 or or the, I think years? he was involved in wrestling. I don't know if he was. He wrestling. his last match was in Jerusalem in 2014. Oh wow! Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, he tagged with his sons. Oh, um, and he did he, the Iron Claw, which he did was, the he did the Iron Claw for the win. Yeah. yeah. Which go. yeah, that was that was Fritz's move was the Iron Claw. Mm-hmm. So. I think the boys did it too. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, Carrie cool. refused to do it though. Oh, okay. Carrie became the Texas Tornado, especially after his foot was amputated. He he refused to be known as Yvonne Eric. He wanted to be just Texas Tornado. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. well, I think we definitely need a break after that one. Yes. <laughs> Um, so Rebecca, you came to me with a great idea. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, we're living in some, some interesting times right now and, uh, it's getting to the point where, you know, we all need to buy, uh, masks to wear outside, uh, or when we're, we're out and about with people. And so I was looking online just to see what I could find. And I, uh, all of a sudden, I realized, you know, hey, um, we could make a ghostly mask. <laughs> uh, and it actually ended up look. I, I went and I played around and it looked pretty cool. And I mentioned it to a few family, friends, whatever. And they were like, I want one. And I was like, well, okay, maybe instead of just making this for myself, um, we could put it out on our Zazzle store and see if any, you know, just in case anyone else wants one. Um, yeah. So there's uh, ghostly masks. Uh, bl- I come in black or white, and um, you know you can wear the cool skull ghostly logo uh, on your mask if you're if you're interested. Yeah. So Bob, did you get a chance to see our masks yet? Oh, I did. They are they are yeah. ghostly accessories. <laughs> they are <laughs> I, um, ghostly gear. Mm. I'm doing a uh, quarantine paranormal investigation here in a couple weeks I'm with the Northwest Indiana Paranormal Society. 
So uh, social distancing, outdoors, very small gathering. I might order one so I could wear it when I'm out doing the nice. investigation. Oh, that Perfect. would be amazing. Perfect. Yeah. So, so you can get one just by going on ghostlypodcast.com and clicking on our merchandise button, which will take you to our Zazzle store mm-hmm. and you could order it right there. Yeah. All right, so let's let's just dive into the debate here. And um, man, that was really sad, though. I mean, it was. Yes, uh, regardless so, of where the debate goes, you have to take into consideration that tragedy is the tragedy of that family is one hundred percent awful. There's no there's no arguing that. Absolutely. And tragedy is always real. I mean, mm-hmm. people. There is a there is a certain trauma that comes with that much tragedy. For someone like Kevin, I feel so bad for Kevin mm-hmm. having to endure all that and to have lived through all of that. And his mom too. She lived until she was uh, eighty two, I think. Um, oh. uh, you know, so I, yeah, I was just gonna say. So we're you know we're gonna get into a debate. Um, none of this is minimizing what happened uh, mm. at all. Um, regardless of where you fall in this, um, no one doesn't feel horrible for this family. You know, it's absolutely. (laughs) absolutely. Um, but the reality is that this was a lot of tragedy to befall one family. You know, they had six children and five of them died. Um, you know, one kind of early on, but the others and, and not that big of a time span. And so from that, um, there's just been this thing out there called the Von Eric family curse, uh, that, you know, when, when you have a lot of tragedy that happens, that is something that people kind of cling to or come up with because, um, you know, it just seems, it seems un- not normal, right? That so much tragedy would come to a family. Um, well, recently so- this has come to light because, what was the documentary that you had us watch, Bob? Oh yeah, uh, the Dark Side of the Ring. It's uh, yeah. Vice um, Vice TV. That's the name of the channel. Mm-hmm. Vice TV is doing a documentary series on all of these stories that pop up in the pro wrestling world that aren't necessarily good stories. So they're covering, you know, really dark stuff no pun intended and they did the episode on the von eric family which any viewer out there that's really interested in this story i highly highly recommend Mm -hmm. you go and watch that episode because it's one of the few times kevin comes public about what he's gone through and like Mm -hmm. what he's going through now and there's a touching story about him trying to steal a gun that you know potentially end his life and that That was really touching i i cried I mm-hmm. I literally sat on the couch at like 11 o'clock in the morning and I started bawling my eyes out when I watched that. I one, mean, so. my allergies were a little bad during that time. <laughs> so, I mean. But if you guys get a chance to check that one out, I highly recommend checking out Dark Side of the Rings Von Eric's story because, man, it's it's really good. Absolutely. It is. Let me, let me just say that, um, you know, since I watched the Von Eric's actually – um wrestle and stuff i don't know if you've ever you ever saw them live because no i was you're a little too, bit younger than I'm me younger so. than you i no i watched the sons several times um yeah. kevin's sons out in the wrestling world 
and I've watched, you know, tapes and stuff. That's things you study and whatnot, but no, I didn't get to watch them live. So I, I did, I watched some of that stuff live and um, I love the Von Erics and there was talk of a curse even back then. So for the last 30 years, I have thought about this potential curse. And so I had this idea to do the episode. I didn't realize that it had come uh, to the light right now that this could possibly be a thing. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. let's look at some of the potential evidence um, that this could be a curse. And, and then Bob, too, if you have things to add after this. If any, or, um, yeah. Can I, yeah. Can I actually start? off before we dive into the evidence because i just want to propose a question and then we'll let let it simmer the question i want to propose to both you and pat and the audience before you Mm. dive into the evidence is what is a curse and what defines what a curse is and we could just let that simmer Mm-hmm. No, I've, I, that was on my list too. I oh, did geez, I feel research. like an idiot. <laughs> no, 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 I don't have it in here. So I'm glad you asked it, but it was on my mind because I did do some research into family curses. And so I, I yes, I think it'll be. You and I are on such kindred spirits. Because <laughs> that's like how many, how many people could sit down and be like, oh, I, you know, I spent my Thursday night researching family curses. <laughs> yeah. That was my Saturday afternoon. Just like, well, it was curses. <laughs> but it, I will the Von Erichs show up in in um, on a lot of lists out there. Yeah. Like if you look up family curses, like they, they definitely make the list. Sometimes even the the number one on the list. So, um, mm. all right. So the first story or first piece of evidence. Um, so as Pat mentioned, Fritz Von Erich, uh, his character um, was his uh, was a was a Nazi. Well, he wasn't just German. He was a Nazi. Like he yes. was the ultimate baddie, right? Um, it was actually really touching to to hear Kevin talk about how as kids they would watch their father wrestle, and they just couldn't watch because you know he's heel, <laughs> right? As you guys sa- said, and I'm learning new words. Um, and so you know he would lose a lot, obviously being the German Nazi, you know, sec- from the World War. Um, and so, but they would always so they wouldn't want to look, but then they'd be like, oh wait, he's winning again, and then they look and you know so that was um that was yeah really interesting to listen to but anyways so there is a story um and this was reported by david shoemaker in life death of professional wrestling he says it's an apocryphal story so just something that's told not like any clear we know who saw this or witnessed this um that uh, Fritz was approached by a Holocaust survivor after a match who said that he had lost five of his six sons during the Second World War. Um, and he basically like put a curse on him if he mm. wouldn't stop doing the character um, and make, you know, making light of it, basically. Um, and so then it, just like he lost five of his six sons, Fritz would go on. This was before he had had his sons. Um, that he would go on to lose five of his his um, six sons. So wow. I don't know. What do you guys think about this? So this is this is probably the only this is the only story I found where it was like somebody put a curse on the family. Bob, you should go first. Yeah, say Bob, you want to go first on this one? What do you think? Okay, I will dive a little bit into what wrestling is to answer that question because it's very important to answer it like that. When you play the bad guy, when you're the heel, um, 
you're going to get reactions from the crowd. And we're not going to go too much more than that. Is it possible that some guy who was a survivor approached him and, you know, said that absolutely. In fact, I don't doubt that at all. Do I think that the person was a practitioner in the occult, the occult and in like Hebrewistic, like witchcraft, which is a total thing. Yes. Um, maybe it's such a tough call. And I will be honest with you in all of my years of researching this, I never heard of that before. Um, so it's possible. I don't want to buy too much into it because as Pat may back me up on things in the occult world, curses aren't thrown around lightly. I mean, given that the wrestling world was way different back then and people took it a lot more serious, I'll just say it like that. And maybe that was a thing, but I would probably say not so much, but I, I don't know. Pat, what do you think? Um, well, as someone that has um, practiced magic with the K, yep. um, I um, will say that curses work because of the people that believe in them. And one of the ways that you could uh, get past a curse is to not believe in them or to trick yourself into not believing in them. Even if, even if you were the person that could put a curse on somebody else, not believing somebody else could give you a curse is definitely a way to combat that. Curses seem to get worse and worse. So if you believe that your family is cursed, everything bad that happens to you is attributed to that. And the more bad that you attribute to this curse, the worse the curse gets. Um, it's a psychological thing more than anything else. Everybody wants to be liked. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to provide for their family. Everybody wants to do good things in their life or great things in their life. Um, and, and curses are just a psychological um, landmine to, to doing good things. It just, it's, it's purely psychological though. So unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So what do we think of, uh, what would we rate this evidence? Um, I, the only bit of evidence I would attest, I guess, to back up the side of the curse is that the Von Erich family, at least Kevin, I don't know if their father was, but I'm pretty sure the whole family was pretty hardcore Christian. Yes. And for the fact that they're, um, that they're practicing Christians, maybe they didn't buy into the fact that they were cursed and maybe they didn't seek the help to remove said curse. So maybe, but that's really stretching it. And that's only because I want to defend some sort of uh, belief here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it a solid middle ground five. Okay. I'm going to go with zero, of course. Um, and, and it's not to say that I don't feel for Kevin or Fritz when he was alive or any of the uh, Von Erics that had to deal with the death of loved ones. Um, that is something very hard to go through in life. It's something that 
every one of us will have to face at some point unless we're the ones to go first. Hmm. And uh, it's very sad and it's very trying and it's, it's very hard. I could not even imagine what that must feel like or look like to lose that many people mm-hmm. in your life. So I, I give it a zero, but I, I do that with the utmost respect for these people. So I'm going to give it a five as well. Um, okay. In that this particular story of like this one person that came and said, I curse you. And, and like you, you know, you were saying, Bob, that, a, you know, a practitioner really, you know, or somebody you know, really specifically did something. I'm, a, I'm very shaky on it. But there being something about portraying an a character that was very, I mean, this is the fifties. This is like 10 years after the world war, like actually less than that. It's like five years after the war ended that you could be putting trauma out to the world, to the people that are watching you and that that energy could be pretty bad. Um, You know, I mean, I, you know, that, so I'm, so, so that's where I'm, so I'm a five and not a zero, but do I think that this one particular person maybe did it? I, that, uh, you know, not as sure on. So, um, all right. I got another piece of evidence, another thing for us to think about. So what strikes me with this is that the tragedies of this family weren't always just their own behavior. So we talked about drug use. We talked about trying to live up to the father's expectations, and that is certainly a big, a big part of this. I mean, you know, they, there were a lot, there were suicides. I mean, this was people doing things to themselves. However, there were a lot of other odd accidents that kind of really pushed things, and I feel like they came at really critical times. So, you know, the, the oldest, the Jack Jr. as a kid, that was definitely an accident, um, but it kind of drove Fritz to stay home and, and kind of maybe change the directory of his career. Um, David's death was very mysterious. And, you know, yeah, I know we said drugs, but honestly, I personally kind of believed based on Kevin's interview in that show that he was sick before that and that there was something going on. doesn't mean there weren't also drugs involved, but I do think that he really had um, an infection or something. Um, And then, you know, there's car accidents, the toxic shock shock syndrome, you know what I mean? Like people, it just seems that not only did, were there internal things happening, but there was a lot of external happening to this family. And that to me, um, you know, is some evidence for there maybe being a curse on them. Okay. Um, Bob, do you want to go first? We'll switch off, Pat. You go on ahead. All right. So I'm going to say um, a couple of things that, that stood out to me is that um, now when we're talking about Jack Jr., I mean, I you know, that was obviously an unfortunate uh, accident that occurred, um, that could occur to anybody. Um, it was unsafe conditions that, that caused that to happen and um, that it spiraled that bad to his death. Um, 
it's just unfortunate. It's just uh, statistically that's like crazy, but still it's, it's an accident that happens. And what, what was really interesting about all the suicides is it always came after some kind of injury. And these injuries, um, first of all, can cause shock to people. So if it, if this was like an immediate thing that happened, then I could um, write it off to that, you know. But these are things that have a longer term effect that, like Carrie, it was, you know, almost 10 years afterwards, after losing his foot, that he um, that he committed suicide. But what I would say, though, is that um, obviously there is some addictive behaviors in this family. and. Um, Oftentimes with addiction, uh, people are not in their right mindset. And I believe that that could have, that could have been an issue. I, I also wonder if maybe this family has a special or like some kind of extra diversion to having um, like pain medication. Or maybe it's because, I mean, there was a lot of steroid use back in those days. And these men, except for Mike were, I mean, like enormous people don't get to be that size by going to the gym every day. I mean, this, they were bigger than that, bigger than what, you know, the average person would be. And I wonder if maybe the combination of steroids with uh, the pain medication might've caused something to happen and might be actually, responsible for a lot of the um, things that have happened in the WWE. Um, so I'm going to say that this is, this stems from the, from the addiction or some, or some aversion or an adverse reaction to their pain medications. Bob, what do you think? It's weird because there's a lot of outside interference to the Von Erich family. Um, the fact of the matter is they went through a lot, even outside of, I'll just leave it as like internal self-destruction mm-hmm. outside of that. There were a lot of nasty business happening and it's really unfortunate. Um, you know, you, you get into a rabbit hole when you start thinking about like idiosyncrasies, right? And like, oh, this led to this, this led to this, this led to this. And man, it's it's hard to say. Um I don't know. It's it's I mean, where do you draw the line with it though when you talk about idiosyncrasies and when you talk about like the tragic events that happened and how it was a really nasty domino effect? I mean, is it supernatural that caused it? after you know jack jr maybe um it's just really weird that everything bad happened Mm -hmm. i mean you law of averages sometimes balances out i guess right and it doesn't seem like that happened until now where kevin finds solace you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i would say from a comfort standpoint that maybe there's something to it that there is a curse from that point of perspective in general, that there was just so much outside perspective other than the internal. 
that happened. You know, he got into a motorcycle accident and just so happened to hit a cop car. You know, well, I mean, do you think maybe he was on drugs when when that happened? It's possible. I'm just saying. I know he could have Jim Morrison did the same thing. Oh, sure. But what I'm saying is it just so happens that he hit the cop car, you know, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that it just so happens that the one son ended up with the broken arm and couldn't die in the ring and then became with problems after that. I, I, yeah. I it's just, it's really weird. It is really strange. Like if he hadn't broken his arm. Exactly. Would that, what if things happened? I don't know. You know what I mean? What if he ended up in that situation in general, if his other brother didn't die? It's a really weird domino effect in the Von Erich case. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's really hard. And I I don't know if I'm able to even debate on this one. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So. All right. But you got to give a rating for this evidence. What do you think? Five, right down okay. the middle. Okay, <laughs> going back to five. <laughs> Pat, how about I'm gonna, you? I'm gonna give it a one oh. because <laughs> I will say that there is a series of unusual coincidences that that are happening around this um, particular thing, and that it's like, man, can this family not get a break? But my question is, what brought an end to the curse? Where does the curse end? Does it end because five of the six brothers died? And why wasn't why wasn't Kevin one of those brothers that died? What did he do differently that saved his life? I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a tricky thing. I think. Uh, well, let me just say. So for me, I'm going to give this a six um, because Ooh, I do, okay. this one is a little. This is the <clears throat> most convincing to me of the evidence for a curse. Still not super convincing, you know, because again, there's just too much of a mixture of things that are happening here. Um, but, uh, you know, if you, the fact that there's just these like well-timed accidents that seem to happen um, is a little weird, you know, but, okay. but there's also like, as you explained, Pat, I mean, Absolutely. You know, the, the, the drugs and the self-destructive behavior. I mean, you can't deny that. So it's there. So that's my six. Um, but I, it is a tricky thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. I, in my closing arguments, I'll, I'll, I have a whole thing I'd like to say why it's tricky. Okay. okay. All right. All right, let's move on. Do you have more evidence? I have one more. I have one more thing for us to think about, and it's something that you mentioned in your history and I mentioned in my ghost story. Okay. Um, So I just wanted to mention it here as a potential evidence, which is that Carrie told Bret Hart that he heard the voices of his brothers calling to him. I mean, it wasn't like he just said, like, I, like, theoretically hear them. It was like, no, they're talking to me and telling me that that, um, it's, time for me to join them and that I just have to, now I just have to wait for God to tell me when it's my time. Um, So to me, that felt a little ghostly. We haven't had, I mean, you know, this is obviously a curse, which is a little different than our usual ghost piece, but um, I wondered, you know, do we think that he really did hear them? I mean, if you're going to believe this is paranormal, that there's a curse to it, it would make a lot of sense then if like each brother was hearing the previous brother kind of calling to them and you know, that that's why this happened. Um, I mean, that would make it really paranormal. So um, yeah. So I don't know. 
What do we okay. what do we think about that, Bob? Uh, I'd like to preface by saying that my light bulb burned out and now I'm sitting in I was just going to say you are really dark. <laughs> I, my light bulb burnt out when we came back and I was like, oh man, there's enough sunlight so I don't have to like try to find a lantern or something to light my way. But, but no, now it's Bob clock. during dark. <laughs> no, this is literally Bob, Bob during the really dark. dark. It's really cool. I'm going to be it's honest with you. It's the floating head. I feel like a 90s, a 90s spooky infomercial. Um. <laughs> this is hard because I'm going to say something that's going to really maybe touch a nerve. So just bear with me guys. I'm going to explain it. There are times when paranormal situations can't attest for mental illness. What he was going through. And I don't want to say like mental illness, like schizophrenia or something, but just the fact of the matter is like, he went through a lot and there is levels of like shock and there's levels of depression and there's levels of coping mechanisms uh, that went go, go into that. And sometimes you can't explain that away with the paranormal, but there are times that you can. And I really think that some people say when you're on your deathbed, right. And you start seeing people from your past coming to you you talk to i've taught interviewed a lot of folk that work at like um hospices and stuff and they talk about that but i digress it's the concept of seeing somebody and trying to comfort you in your last moments and the fact that this was going on before he did it and it went on for a little bit before and he was waiting for that moment right and that moment was him about to go to jail and carrie von eric did not want to have that image of I'm the Von Eric son that's going to jail. I'm, you know, now's my chance. There might be something to it. And that this might be the only bit of evidence that I'm going to give above middle ground. But do I get my rating now or do I wait for You Pat? can if you want, sure. Oh, I'll wait for Pat. I'll wait for Pat. Okay. All right. Maybe Pat will change your mind. So, yes, Pat, let's give you a chance to give your, your side. So, um, Suicidal thoughts is a form of mental illness. Um, it's not belittling it at all to say that. Um, I, I think it is something natural that people um, can have. And I don't want to diminish people's feelings for ever feeling that way. But um, it, it's very poetic how he's saying that you know, he heard his brother's calling to him. Um, I think Brett is a pretty reputable person, but he is also a very poetic person and likes to um, likes to wrap up the ends, likes to, you know, give give a little color to the story, you know, if you would. I believe that Carrie did talk to Brett and said, you know, hey, I, I plan on doing this. And he also, Carrie convinced Brett that he wasn't going to, these are all signs of mental illness. These are all signs of, of having suicidal tendencies. And given that um, his brothers committed suicide, um, suicidal tendencies can be an inherited mental condition that can, that can occur mixed in with all the drugs mixed in with all of the stuff that he was going through at that time. It just, 
there's a preponderance of evidence that speaks that this is not at all paranormal, that this is merely somebody that is suffering. He's suffering because he cannot grieve the loss of his brothers, which that might be too much for someone to take. That might be the point where it's too far, where you cannot overcome that kind of grief that takes on you. And the grief could have been the thing that killed him. But he was also addicted to drugs. He was also in trouble with the law. There was also like so many different things that him just saying he heard his brothers calling him. It could have just been Carrie's way too of saying, this is what I want to do. He might not just want to come out and say, hey, I want to commit suicide. It, this might be his way of telling Brett that, that he's thinking that. I don't know. Yeah. What would you say your rating is? My rating on mm-hmm. this is going to be a zero. I'm stepping up out of the five and going with a six and a half. Wow. Okay. 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 I'm actually going to step down. I'm going to, I'm going to say a four okay. on this one. Um, I think actually it's funny, Bob, you actually reminded me and then Pat did too, uh, of why the thing that makes me think this is not as paranormal is the fact that this was the day he was going to go to jail. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that to me, like, so it just happens that the day that God says it's time to join your brothers, you know, or whatever that he hears voices just happens to be the day that he would go to jail. I mean, there's just too much to to me that makes it too grounded in reality. Um, And Pat, I think you make a good point too, of just like sometimes when we're, people are talking about these depression and and suicide that they um, might deflect from themselves. You know, it's not me that's having these thoughts, you know, um, it's, it's it is kind of poetic um, with that. Um, And I would say too, you know, we talk a lot about mental illness and, 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 and you mentioned too, Bob, you know, like not schizophrenia, bipolar. I mean, there, there's mental illness and and even clinical depression. That's, that's, um, biological or that, you know, has an element of that, but there's also mental illness. That's just, we all go through levels of mental illness at different point in our lives. You know what I mean? It's like, again, if you have traumatic things that happen to you, you can be suffering mental illness. And it doesn't mean that it's something that you with therapy couldn't, you know, and and treatment get better. You know, I mean, just like, like anything. I mean, even if it's biological, you can too. But I mean, I think I I want everyone to to listening. I mean, because this is such a sad topic. I just want to mention, you know, again, if you have thoughts, if you are depressed or you're having these tragic things like talking, there is help, there's medication. And it doesn't mean that you're going to have to be on it forever. You know, um, sometimes it's just something we need for a little while, um, but that it's, it's okay to ask for help for that. You know, sometimes, sometimes just talking to somebody impartial Mm -hmm. and bringing your thoughts, you know, out into reality and letting somebody know what your intentions are. Sometimes that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. If Brett had only maybe tried to, you know, this was in a time when it wasn't so okay to go get help and to go talk to somebody. Like now, if your friend told you this, you might push them, you know, to go do something or see somebody, talk to somebody, you know. I'll expose myself just a little bit here. Um, Please I've been leave there, your clothes on, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been there. And let yeah. me tell you how much the help helps. Yeah. I'll just leave it like that. Mm-hmm. If you all can't reach out to a doctor, you can email me. I'll, t- I'll, I'll hear you. 
I promise. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. So that's all it. Right. That's all I got for evidence. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Oh, we did, wait, we got to go circle back. I'm sorry to Bob's question. Yes. Of curses. I think I answered that part in my okay. first, um, debate thing where I believe that, uh, what is a curse? A curse is a psychological landmine placed on you by somebody else. Um, and I believe that, um, that it exists purely because you believe it exists. Rebecca? Well, oh, um, yeah, I, you know, it was interesting when I was reading about family curses, it seems that typically it can be generational, uh, oh, multi-generational. Yeah. And so I think I don't know enough about the er, like earlier generations of this family to know for sure if that might be something that's a part of it. Um, I, obviously, it seems to be over it so far <laughs> anyways with the current generation and part of that might have to do with kevin's positivity and and his decision to not believe in any you know in the curse and to you know and to to, to move forward and, and same thing with the the other um you know brothers children um kind of being growing up almost uh, kind of aside from it um so i guess i have i i it, it is hard to think of it as a traditional curse because it seems isolated to that family. But then I think eh, I, I didn't do like generational research before. Sure. So I, yeah. All right, Bob, does that answer your question? Or what do you think about your question? Well, I proposed myself this question when I was doing my notes for the show and I had one answer and I kind of going to change it up just a little bit. Because of the way Pat described it, Pat very eloquently described it as a mental landmine. And that's very, very true. Um, I would say that there's times when there is going to be, there needs to be some help to get, to get rid of said curse. I feel like power always lies within, but there's times when you need to get a little bit of a push. So I'll just kind of leave it like that, that sometimes it's a landmine that you might need some help with to find that power within you. Well, I believe paranormal or not getting, getting help with something like this is not necessarily a bad idea. No, but I was talking about it from a metaphysical standpoint. I know. I know. Yeah. 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 But so I would say a curse, a Bob after dark definition of a curse is a metaphysical hurdle that you either can come overcome or you don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do overall ratings. So uh, Bob, what would be your overall rating? Zero to 10. Making me start this one. I am Um, making you start this one. Okay. So the Von Eric's family cursed. Are they actually cursed? I'm going to say flat out, I don't know. I don't have an answer yes, and I don't have an answer no. And I will explain that in the simplest way I possibly can is there is a lot of weird coincidences that go on with the story, both self-destructive mm-hmm. and outside, you know, outside circumstances. With that being said, 
maybe there's some sort of comfort in the world from gaining. And I know that sounds really bad, but let me explain some sort of comfort in the fact that you could say that it was a curse, right? It's how can this family have so much bad luck? And Kevin himself does not believe there's a curse. Yeah. Wait, and did you want to use this for your closing argument, though? <laughs> I thought that's what I was getting at. I thought no, I was no, no. You are, geez, you're just, just doing an overall rating. review. Oh, five. Overall rating. Five? five. Okay. Oh, five. My right. bad. I thought I was giving my rating and then <laughs> explaining it. So overall, five. Okay. Overall, five. Rebecca. Um, uh, I, you know what? For me, it is it is also a five. I can't, This one's really difficult because I see a little bit that there could be a curse-ish to it, an energy to it, but it's, uh, you know, but there's a lot that's just not that. So, yeah. I'm going to go with a zero. Okay. Uh, even though I gave a one in there. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a zero because overall I just don't feel it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that brings us to our closing <laughs> arguments. There you Bob. Go. My um, bad. So this is our last chance to convince you to vote our way. We are each given one minute of uninterrupted time. We will time each other on our cell phones to keep each other honest. I am going to time Rebecca and that time will start as soon as you tell me you're ready. All right. So we're going to, I'm, I'm, well, sorry, we will give Bob last, last, last yes. words, right? Okay. Last final words. Final, final word on the subject. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm ready. Ready and go. All right. So I do think there's a chance that there is a bit of a curse on the Von Erich family, um, whether that's because of the father um, bringing that negative energy to a nation, um, you know, potentially too soon after. But then again, maybe there was fun to see him beat up. I don't know. But there's definitely some negativity with that. Um, but, you know, again, just the accidents to me, that's the that's the point where I can't go to that. I can't get lower than a five because it seems like there's just these external things that, that are happening to them that just kind of push that in there. And I think that Kevin, if there was a curse, stopped it when he received that love from the community from the gun story that he told. And I'm not going to go super far into it. You should watch the show. But um, to me, that was the moment where he took that love into his heart and the positivity and, and stopped it and changed everything. All right. That is your one minute. Rebecca, can you put one minute on your cell phone and time me? I'm ready to go. Are you ready? I am ready to go. Okay. And go. So if I were to tell you that life is fragile, if I were to tell you that life, life has a lot of bad to it that can happen to you, um, that just doesn't sound like something that we want to deal with. And we spend a lot of our time as a society pushing off, not dealing with things, blaming others, blaming um, blaming different times. I believe that this is a great example of this, that it's easier for us just to be like, hey, there is a curse on the family. Life does not suck this bad and life is not that fragile, but it is. So you should go out there and you should tell the people that you love that you love them. And you should spend as much time when quarantine's over 
being with those people because you never know when it's the last time you'll see them. Ooh, right there at the minute. Wow. Yeah. Mr. Right. Bob, are you ready? <laughs> yes, considering I jumped the gun. Uh-huh. <laughs> are you going to time him or you want me to? You can time him. All right. You ready, Bob? Yep. Okay, here we go. And go. There is a certain comfort in life where you can pin problems on the paranormal. With that said, there are times when coincidences draw way too many questions that you can't just write it off. The Von Erich family curse is one of those situations. There is a lot of weird situations that go on with it. Do I think that there's a curse? I don't know. I am in literal team middle ground here. If there was a curse, I think Kevin broke it at the gun store. You guys should all go watch that episode. I have 18 seconds left. Um, Check out Bob After Dark on your favorite podcasting (laughs) service. (laughs) That's where I'm at. (laughs) All right. Yeah, Rebecca, I really like that idea that Kevin broke it that day in the gun store. Because that actually gives some um, closure to that. But, I mean, I am who I am. You are who you are. And even Bob is who he is. This is one where I am really interested to see what the listeners think. Yeah, please. Um, We would love to have your feedback on this, too. So you can always email us at info at ghostlypodcast.com. Bob, how could they reach you? Um, you guys can find me wherever you listen to your podcast. That's where the show's at. At least if you want to contact me directly, the best way to do it is Bob at Bob after That's literally the easiest email you're ever going to remember your entire life. <laughs> uh, Bob at Bob after You guys can email me questions, comments, concerns. Um, yeah. Recipes. Um, yeah, I, I definitely enjoy a good recipe, especially if you have a good one for Alfredo sauce. That's what I've been craving lately. So. Oh, oh, interesting. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right. So, um, Bob, what's been going on in Bob After Dark? What is what is your latest oh, episode? Oh, you got some good episodes on. I have been busy. Um, Pat's been stepping up and helping me out quite a bit. I It's rough because usually my show's a radio show first, and then it gets podcasted down the formatting line. Um, I don't have that right now. I'm literally just straight podcasting and going live as much as I can. Um, I've been doing a series on gateways to hell or portals to hell locations on the planet where the veil is that thin to where Mm. things cross over and we cross over there. That is literally a portal to hell. Um, Spoiler alert. There's a lot of drain pipes. So, (laughs) <laughs> there is a lot of dream pipes, yes. Claustrophobia, <laughs> come mm-hmm. on in. Um, so this is a three-parter, right? There is a three-parter. I did my, The first one I did a couple weeks ago, we talked about the five locations in America. Yeah. The second one that just came out two days ago is on three spots on international soil. So there's one in Scotland, one in China, one in Czech Republic. Uh, so you guys... There's three spots there. And then my new episode coming out on Friday of this upcoming week is going to be talking about the Hellier Gates in Pennsylvania, where there are supposedly seven gates in Pennsylvania alone. Wow. So, so who would have thought? 
I would Pennsylvania, have never. Geez. So we're going to talk about that, and then hopefully I'm never talking about Gateway's the Pennsylvania is the home of uh, Hershey's Chocolate, too, right? Yes. And so, wow, that's a big coincidence. Chocolate and the devil. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying. Good job, <laughs> Pat. Um, so that's what I've been up to. You guys can check those episodes out wherever you listen to podcasts at. Um, if you guys haven't saw saw if you guys haven't seen the paranormal panel that I co-hosted with Pat and Rebecca with uh, my co-host Steve and Ursula from the Chicago panel paranormal panel we did that the other day it's on YouTube I know we praised it earlier but you should really yeah you check. really need to check it out it's very cool Ursula lays down some Slash, slash ghostly podcast Ursula lays down some things that I've been studying paranormal for twenty years. And there are things that she laid out for me that I had no idea. She's amazing. I love that she agreed with me. And you will have to watch to find out what she agreed (laughs) with me on. (laughs) There you go. So to our listeners, I want to thank you so much for listening. Please share us with your friends and family as word of mouth is our best advertisement. Um, Rebecca, Mm -hmm. you were the one that came up with this topic uh, for our next episode. Did you want to divulge it? Yeah, absolutely. No, I can do it. Um, Our next episode is going to be on ghost pets. Ghost pets. Yeah. It is. uh, I had a friend uh, who who came to me with a story and it was like, are you kidding? And, uh, and I've actually have heard some others before. Um, and I, it's, it's definitely out there and, and while it can be sad, it can also be really actually comforting, um, to hear these stories as well. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to delve into it. I am too. And that will be on May 27th that we will be talking about that. Uh, this has been a listener's choice episode. We will be doing listener choice episodes. Um, you know, we're going to start doing them every so often. I'm not going to tell you just how often because I I am, you know, I want to allude to that a little bit. But um, I will tell you that we had, uh, I was going to say that we will always carry the top two. So the top one, we are going to do an episode. Then we're always going to put the next highest one up just in case you really want to see that and you didn't get a chance to win. But this time, the the number two spot was tied. So oh. we are going to have two from the last list with two more things at least. Okay. Um, yeah. For so you keep, to choose keep from. Tuned. Yeah. Keep tuned. Um, Ghostly Society is where you can do uh, voting, a lot of the voting, though I think this time we were actually able to also put our poll out for the episode on um, face, our regular Facebook page as well as our website, of course. But that's, but that's hard to do. It for is. Some it is. But the, on Society, though, you can always go to vote. Uh, as for the episode, for the listener's choice episode, for the episode. So if you are not a part of Ghostly Society on Facebook, you need to join. You need yes. to join because I moderate it and there's a lot of good conversation. There, there is. There. It's there really is. fun. All right. Well, until next time, stay ghostly. Bye. Bye. <laughs>